of Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Spirit of the living God, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you that you are present here to teach us, to reveal the word of God to us, to expose Jesus to us, O oh God. So we set our hearts on you. We thank you that this morning I am anointed to teach your word and also to preach your word with simplicity and with understanding. And I thank you that these, your precious people, are equally anointed with an anointing of understanding and courage, not only to hear your word, but also to do your word. Because we realize that wisdom is the main thing. So this morning, we are choosing to get wisdom. And in everything that we get, we get understanding. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, Amen. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. Don't forget, next week, Sunday, we will be at the Palm Hotel. Um, so help us tell somebody. Um, before I forget also, if you haven't, for instance, if you did not receive a text message from us on Friday or an email from us this week, please just go on our website, radiantcitylondon.com. Go to the contacts page, enter your details there so that we can be updated, so that we, we can keep you updated with everything that's going on. Um, so if you are able to do that, that will be brilliant. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4. I want to start a new series that I'm calling Servant Kings. If you, if you ask me what I hope that we will achieve in doing what we do as a church, if you ask me, what I, if you ask me to describe what I am believing that God will do with anybody who interacts with me personally or anyone who interacts with our church as a corporate body, if you are asking me what I believe that God will do in their lives or how God will impact their lives, it will be that they are equipped to operate as servant kings. It will be that they are, they are equipped to, they, they come here, and I've talked to you about that vision that the Lord showed me, where we have a house where uh, about 2,000 people gathered, and I talked to you how it wasn't about what, the number of people who gathered, even though I believe that that is significant. Um, it, God is gathering us so that he can deposit something on the inside of us that when we leave here, we are effective, not just at church, but we are effective in the world. My faith is that you will not be a deacon at church and a demon in the world. That is good right there, amen. Allow me some pastor license to play with words like that. You will not be, you, that, that you will be a deacon in the church and a deacon outside of the church. And we'll talk about a deacon is just servant. That's what it is, really. Uh, the will of God is that, is that we will be those people who light up our world with what God has placed on the inside of us. The vision is that you will come here, be equipped as a king, and then when you step out of here as a king in your world, you will influence the world that you are called to. And that is what we are believing God to do with us. And last year, I spoke briefly about what a servant king looks like. That's where we got that vision video that we watched um, earlier from. But in the run-up to our vision day, I'm praying about the season and just speaking to, 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 to our pastors. I, I really felt led to spend a few weeks just speaking to you about this because many people go through their lives never living out their purpose. Many people go through life asleep. Many people go through life living well below God's expectation 
of them. Many people go through life without a doctrine, a framework of beliefs or an understanding about why God blesses them. Many, many Christians just believe that God wants to bless you, but you have no idea why he really wants to bless you or your answers as to why will God bless you are flimsy, are, are not really as scripturally sound as it ought to be. Many people go through life with an awareness of what God wants to do in their lives, uh, why, how God wants to prosper you financially, but without an understanding of why that is. Many people think that God does all of that just because he wants to meet their needs, but I'm going to spend some time showing you that even though God supplies our needs, he supplies your needs for a purpose. He supplies your needs for a purpose. And I believe that when we key into, um, when we begin to find out the reason for that, we, we start to dance in sync with the heart of God, with what God is thinking, and then prosperity is not an issue. I'm going to talk about this later on, the prosperity of his servants, because there is a place where God wants to prosper you in a profound way, but until you key into God's heart for pros prospering you as his servant, you might be missing the point. And so Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 tells us, he says, and he himself being God, he gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And verse 12 says, this is why he gave all of these gifts, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Someone say after you, I am here, I am here. to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Okay, you know what I'm trying to get you to say now. I want you to say it boldly, because as you speak, you write upon your heart with the tongue, with the pen of your tongue. Say after me, I am here this morning, here this morning. to be equipped for the work of the ministry. He says, he says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, the gifts are given to edify the body until we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So notice the reason why God gathers the church. He gathers the church. I just want to focus on the first part, he gathers the church so that he, uh, and gives ministry gifts, servants that are uh, thoroughly equipped to equip the church for the work of the ministry. He calls people into ministry, equips them with, uh, as ministry gifts to help other people be equipped for the work of the ministry. We are all in the ministry. Every single one of us is in full-time ministry. Amen? So, say after me, I'm a full-time minister. Amen. Every single one of us is, is called to be in ministry. That word ministry is not doing church. That is not what ministry is. Ministry is service. The simple de definition of that word ministry is the word service. The simple way to summarize what ministry is, is service. The word itself is derived from the Greek word for servant. Service is why you are called. Amen. Amen. Service is why you are called and it is how you will be defined. 
Listen to me, church. As a church, I want us to listen to us corporately, and I will start to talk to you individually. As a church, our future will not be determined by the number of people who come to our church. Our future will not be determined by the money that we bring in as a church. All those things are important, and they are key performance indicators. They have their place. But our future will really be determined by the quality of the service that we bring. The future of a church, the effectiveness, let me put it how I believe the Holy Ghost has put it in my heart. A church only registers on the radars of heaven when our service is in line with the heart of God. Until we bring service, until we as the church uh, do everything we do as a means to serve the nation or the city or the place in which we find ourselves, we will be missing out on what we are really called to do. Our calling is service. Everything about us is to be a, is, is service. The nature and the quality of, our, of your service will determine or will be the thing that really defines you. The days of church being about a figurehead, being about this man of God or being about that woman of God or being about individual gifts. Listen carefully. Those days are over because God is raising up a church where ministry gifts will indeed equip the church and not enrich themselves. He's swapping things around where God will be raising all of us up together. God will always have figureheads. There will always be a need for the spearhead. There will always be a need for that. But the whole battle is not about the spearhead. It's about the whole spear. And so God is raising us. I'm speaking, let me, let me just tell you, I am embracing every gift and there is a prophetic angle to what I am called to do that I have been shying away from, but I'm embracing it wholeheartedly because God is going to take us to a new realm that will require people who have eyes to see what he is about to do in the season to come. And let me tell you what he's about to do. This is not just preaching. I am telling you what I believe Thus says the Lord, he is raising up a church of people who are not just going to be bench warmers. If you decide to just be a member of a church, you will miss out on what God is doing whilst going to church and shouting hallelujah. Because what God is looking to do is to raise servant kings, is to raise people who will be effective in their service. Our measurement, God measures the church by the effectiveness of their service. Because we are called, that's why he gives gifts for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Your prosperity will follow your service. Let me even talk about it on a, on a practical, uh, practical level. Your business will only prosper to the, to the degree that it is serving somebody. Check out every business that serves any, any business, name one multi-billionaire that you know. They are providing a service that is effective and is helping somebody. 
And if your business is not even doing that, if you are not serving anyone, you cannot prosper. Your prosperity will follow your service. Some of you have been, you will see as we've been looking, some of you have been doing things to prosper, neglecting your service, and I'm calling you back to the place of service because your prosperity will follow your service. Who are you serving? Amen? We are born to serve. We are called to serve. The anointing of your life on your life will only increase to the degree of your service. The grace of God that you are, that God has given you, the, the, the dimensions that God wants to release you into will only be, you will only step into it to the degree, to the degree that you are willing to serve. A person who is not given to service will not experience the presence of God like God desires for them because the anointing is given for service. The anointing is not given for a show-off. It is given for service. The anointing is not given to show that I am anointed. My effectiveness as somebody who is standing here with the word of God is how effective, how good am I at serving you. As we go into the presence of God this afternoon and ourselves, I'm believing God for miracles. I'm believing God that in the presence of God, all of these wonderful things will happen. But the idea is everything that God does, everything that he releases, he releases for the purpose of service. He releases for the purpose of service. Amen. So we have to talk about this thing because so much is hanging on your willingness to serve. Yeah, uh, uh, like I said earlier, we, we, at some point in this series, I'll, I'll talk to you about the prosperity of his servant because the Bible says that the Lord delights. Everyone say delights. delights. Let me explain what delights. I delight in chicken. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do anybody delight? Do you know what I mean? You just think of certain kinds of food. It makes you happy. Just, just there, you know, happiness, there is happiness. You know, the, you know, your friend sends you a message and you send an emoji that, you know, with a crying and you're not really doing that, amen, you know, some of you have been lying this way because you've been, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> but but there, there are some things that, that there are some other things that people will send you and, and literally it makes you laugh like that because it, you delight, I delight in good food. I just, leave me alone, I just delight, I'm trying to explain something, don't judge me, you delight in your own thing, amen. And, and, and that's it, it just gives God pleasure. Amen? He delights in the prosperity of his servant. But the question we have to answer, are you a bona fide servant? Because it is in the prosperity of his servant that he delights in. So we've got to do this first and have this conversation about your level of service. And by the way, I, 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 I am included in that. I am talking about service at church, and that is, a, that is, that is standard. That is a, but, but that's not all I'm talking about. Your life is meant to be for service. Everything about you is supposed to be serving somebody. Amen. Matthew chapter 20. Let me locate you in the scripture. Matthew chapter 20. Are you a bona fide servant? Are you a confirmed certified servant? Matthew chapter 20. Verse 20. Matthew 20 verse 20. Look at this. Let's read this. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons, this is the mother of James and John, 
they, they came, she came to Jesus, came to him, being Jesus, with her son. And just notice the attitude here, okay? N notice the, the desperation here, because this is how most Christians live. He says, she, she comes with her sons, kneeling down and asking something of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant thee that these two sons of mine may sit one at your right hand and, and the other at your left in your kingdom. B but Jesus said to her, you do not know of what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so Jesus said, so he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Oh, man. And verse 24 then says, and when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet, everyone say yet. yet. He says, yet it shall not be so among you. Because whoever, I'm going to preach on these last few verses, I've bypassed the opportunity to talk about all the other ones, and we'll come back to br briefly. But in verse 26, he says, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great, underline that in your body, in your body, in your Bible, in your Bible, underline that in your Bible. He says, he who desires to become great, how many people would like to be great? Some of you are not so that you want to lift your hands now because you know I'm setting you up. He says, he says, he who desires to become great. One more time, who desires to be great? There is nothing wrong with the desire to be great. He says, he, the one who desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And then the next verse says, and whoever desires to be first among you, check this out. Let him be your slave. We will talk about those two words, servants and slaves, because they are two different words. With two, they, 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 they have similar meanings, but there is a difference, and I think that the difference is everything. But he's saying to them, if you want to be great, you have to be a servant. But if you, one translation says, if you want to be the chief, then you will have to be a slave. Stay with me. Stay with me. Many people are still like the mother of Zebedee's sons, preoccupied with power and authority, possessed by personal ambition, and, and whilst that is good, it is in your nature. You are built to be ambitious. It is, if, if you are not ambitious in your life, it is a malfunction. Something is not happening as it ought to be. As believers, you are born for, for great things. It is natural to have an ambition. So don't buy into the idea that a desire for greatness or a great ambition is a 
problem because it isn't in the kingdom of God. He put that ambition. He put that desire there. But a lot of the time, we are like the mother of, the, of these two boys who are possessed with our ambitions. Uh, and, and yet, we are in a place where we are, we are not um, cognizant of what it takes to become great. So, 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 so here we are, like this mother, you think, and this is really where religious folk happen, you think that, the, that, that prayer or religious activity will take you to the top. I'm going to burst your religious bubble today. So praying and declaring, but not serving. You are praying, you are sowing, you are, when the praises go up, you lift your praises up and you're waiting for the blessing to come down. You are actively involved in the hallelujah. You are actively involved in the, all the religious things that we do, which have their place, by the way, but absent from real service, or at least even where you serve. I was speaking to a guy the other day, and, and he's talking about how, you know, how he has been serving so, so much. And the point he was trying to make was that because he has served so much and, and served this man of God and served that man of God and served in their church and done all of these things, that by now he deserves to be somewhere. Listen, listen. We don't serve as a means to get promoted. We serve for service sake and it's authentic service that will bring promotion. So service with motive. Thank you for hoovering the floor, but it did not register in heaven. Thank you for, thank you for serving at the door. We appreciate it. We were blessed by that, but you are not being blessed by that. I'm going to preach good today. Because it is authentic service that brings about promotion. Not service with a motive. I don't want your cup of tea if there is a motive behind it. Nobody wants people serving them. You don't want people serving you because around you because of what you can give them. Who wants that? Not even God wants that. And so here we are in this place where, where uh, the, the, the mother of Zebedee's sons thinks that if I'm going to get my sons promoted, then I've got to come before God with my religious prayer. And you think that praying two 24 hours a day is going to get you promoted. But let me tell you, your prayer will not promote you. Your praises will not promote you. It is service that promotes a person. And unless your prayer is for the service of someone or your praise is for the service of someone, promotion will elude you. Servant kings, your next level is dependent on your service on this level. Because the pathway to your promotion is not the prayer, it is not the praise, it is not the Bible study, it is not the religious activity. All those things are necessary tools for service, but they are not the means to promotion. Are you listening to the difference? That's not, we're not going to throw away the baby with the bathwater and say, I'm, I'm not saying prayer is not good. I'm saying when you come to pray and the sole motive of your prayer is your promotion, it will continue to elude you. Because, because faith is at its lowest when it's about you. 
prayer is at its weakest when it's about you. You are operating on the lowest level when it's just about you. And we're going to deliver the church from a mindset of me and deliver the church and put you on your seat as a king. And a king, a good king, is not preoccupied with themselves. A good king is looking out for everyone in their territory. And you are born to be a king. It is the enemy. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise if you believe that. It is the enemy that is keeping you small and letting you think that unless you look after number one, you are not, no, let me tell you, you are bigger than that. And I am, I am, I am taking it, that, that charge to raise us up to become people who are bigger than ourselves because everything is riding on this. God will use us to the degree that we forget ourselves. Your next level is dependent on your prayer, or, 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 on your service. Your next level is dependent on your service. The mother of Zebedee thought, you know, I'm going to pray my way, pray, pray, pray my truth. Now, now, by the way, let, let me also insert this here. I do believe that as parents, what, what's beautiful about this is that, is that she found out the way to the top in prayer. Okay, did you get that? She found out, so, so please do not, do not misunderstand Prayer is essential. I, I, one of the things I learned from this is as parents, we have a responsibility to go before God for our children. Amen? If you want to know how your children will prosper, go before God with their names, with your requests. And it is in the presence of God. That's what I love about this. It is in the presence of God that, that she discovered the path, the way that the boys will get to the top. Who are you praying for? Are you with me so far? But prayer in itself is not going to get you to the top. On the other hand, the, we have the, the disciples who are upset with the two boys because they, the disciples are, you know how they're walking with Jesus and listening to this conversation on the side, acting like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but listening to this conversation, and Jesus is having this conversation. And they think, what on earth? Are they really going to sit at the right hand? And they're thinking all that. And at the end, they are displeased with, 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 with the disciples because they thought that another person's promotion is a demotion for me. Because they thought if they're definitely, they, God only has two sides. Amen? And there are two people. And Jesus has confirmed that there is a way that they can get to two people. And so they're thinking, well, if, if, if James is on this side and John is on this side, what side am I on? Amen? Not realizing that the right hand of God can fit every single one of us. The right hand of God is, is reserved for Jesus Christ and we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Another person's promotion is not your demotion. There is enough for every single one of us. There is enough for them to be increasing in the anointing and for me to be increasing in the anointing. I never have to be worried about the church next door, the church down the road, because I am not in competition with anybody. There is enough people in this nation to save that, that there is room for all of us to have a packed house and still have sinners outside. And so because they misunderstood, they are also in the place where they are displeased. Maybe you are offended with your brother because you misunderstood what Jesus was saying. Maybe, you know, just check the offense that you have. Have you ever been offended about the wrong thing? And many people fall sick. You know, offense makes you sick. 
Oh, bitterness rots the bones, the Bible says. It makes, it, it hurts from the inside. I, I, offense is like cancer. It finds its way directly into your heart and it starts to eat its way out. Before you know, your hair is falling off. Amen. It eats you from the inside. And wouldn't it be a sad thing if you were offended because you misunderstood Jesus, just like this guy. And they were displeased with their brothers because they thought, you know, well, God has promoted them. You know, they've just pushed in front of the line, so there's no hope for me. And I love how Jesus calls them, and he begins to tell them. He says, look, you both missed the point. He says, if you want to be great, you need to be a servant. But if you want to be first, to be chief among the greats, you need to be a slave. Oh, these are two profound things he said. He uh, says, if you want to be great, you can serve. If you want to be chief among great people, you're going to need to be a slave. There are two different words. The first word for servant is the Greek word diakonos. And it means a servant. It's like in the picture, you, in the picture we have on the screen, it's like a waiter. Somebody who runs an errand boy. Someone who runs errands for another person. Someone who, is, who, who is, is like Elisha who poured water on the hand of Elijah. Who is that kind of task? Is someone, that's why Jesus, and we'll talk about Jesus in a little while, that's why Jesus washed their feet. Because service is, is running errands for another person. Service is, is the thing that you do particularly for somebody who can't necessarily do it for you. Someone who can't help you. Someone who can't promote you. It is the errands you run for. Obviously, it includes people who can, but it is the errand. It's about service. It's about what you do for other people. And, 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 and Jesus says, according to Jesus in Matthew 20, he says, greatness will happen through your willingness to be an errand boy. Greatness will happen through your willingness to serve. And I've talked about this already, but let me repeat it. Our greatness as a church will, will be determined by our willingness to serve. Our willing, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm telling you, we, we would need, uh, <laughs> come back to you, though. You, we would need to, yeah, listen, our willingness to go out and serve somebody, our willingness to be effective in our service is a thing that will determine our greatness in the eyes of God. Men might count us to be great by all the things that we measure. And like I said, they have their place. But what I am looking for is to be great in the eyes of my God. The Bible often says that uh, if you read the book of Kings or Chronicles, it, it, it chronicles the lives of different kings. And, and, and what you will often find is when a new king says, Josiah is anointed king. And the Bible, was, one of the first things he will say about them is that Josiah did what was right in the eyes of God. There are certain things that are right in different places, but our goal is to do what is right in the eyes of God. For the audience of one. And, it is, and this is the thing that determines your service. Our service as a church and your service as an individual is the thing that will determine whether you qualify for promotion. Who are you serving? Maybe that's why you've been stuck on the same level for so long because you've been unwilling to serve. 
Could it be that this is that that is not a demon from your grandfather's background who planted and who buried the chicken head under the mango tree that is holding back your future? Maybe your destiny is your unwillingness to just find somebody to serve. Maybe you are you are too big for your own good, too anointed to be promoted. Because with all your anointing, you're not serving anybody. Are you with me this morning? Could it be that it is your self-centered ambition, which is really absent of real service, that is the reason why you are stuck on the same level? Who are you serving? Who are you running errands for? Let's bring that down. Who are you waiting on? That's really what that word ministry. I, I worry sometimes. No, I, I refuse to worry, but you know what I mean. Uh, about, about our generation of people who think that if I can get my face on a flyer, then I'm in ministry. And so because these days, you know, you know many people's posters look better than their messages. Amen. Their suits are better than the substance in their heart. God forbid that I look that I look better than what I am on the inside. I want to be better on the inside than what I look on the outside. I like to look good, by the way, but you know what I mean. Amen. Service. Everyone say service. service. Come on, say it again. Service. service. Say, I am born, I am born. For, service. for service. That's what ministry is. Ministry is not your face on a flyer. Ministry is not your title, senior pastor. Ministry is not global director behind your name. Ministry is not your business card. Ministry, ministry is service. Who are you serving? The thing that impresses God is your service. Get back to your service. Stop praying for a business card. Pray that God will give you somebody to serve. That's ministry. Amen? That's ministry. You don't have to serve to be great so that you can stop serving after being great. Do you know that's what people do? You know, so, oh, okay, the way to the top is by my serving. Okay, can I carry your Bible? Can I clean the floor? Can I? It's like the husband who's trying to get some. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say that? <laughs> but the husband, hey, baby, what, what's going on? What do you want? What do you know? What do you, baby? you just kind of know this is... <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nothing like not, a husband who's trying to get something, he starts to clean the house. Gotta wipe the tables down. Kind of, amen. You know, these are about to, he's, amen. Let's leave that alone. <laughs> but nobody wants that. We, we want people who are serving. God is looking for heart. Can I just put it this way? The Bible says God is looking for true worshipers who will worship God in spirit and in truth. Not, not just where everybody sees, but in the deepest part of you where nobody but the Spirit of God can know. God is looking for people who will serve there. I'm calling us to an authentic life of service. Amen? He who wants to be great among you must be an errand boy, must be a servant. And then in verse 27, are you with me today? It's going to get better. Tell your neighbor, it's going to get better. 
Okay. <laughs> verse 27, Jesus then says, put verse 27 up. He says, and, and, and this struck me. I've never really read this until recently. Matthew 20, verse 27. And he says, he who wants to be uh, 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 the, the, the chief among you, he who wants to be the, the chief among you, what does verse 27 say? Let me, let me go back to my notes. He said, he who desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. I know there might be some translations that also say servant, but in the Greek, that word is not the same as diakonos, which is servant, like an errand boy, somebody who is just ministering, um, or a deacon. Another, another, the, the word deacon in the Bible is diakonos. It is, it is a servant. It is somebody who, who serves other people. But Jesus is saying something quite profound, uh, and he says in verse 27 that he who desires to be chief, who desires? This is another level of promotion. And he says, these people have to be willing to be a slave. Let me talk about slavery. Because that word is the word doulos, D-O-U-L-O-U-S. And doulos is an adjective that signifies being in bondage. It is a word that gives the idea that I'm not just serving, but I am actually in bondage to somebody. I am bound to somebody, and it is this bondage to someone or something that makes me serve. Woo. And he says, if you want to be chief, if you want to be chief among the servants, you have to be willing to be, another word for that is bond servants. Is a bond servant. Look at John chapter 15, because I'm going to show you something that the disciples keyed into, and, and, I'll, and I'll show you how servants are made. Hallelujah. John chapter 15. Is this helping somebody this morning? So you decide. There are two levels of greatness. You decide if you just want to be a servant, or if you decide if you want to be a chief servant. And I'll show you that the disciples did not just work as diaconos. They did not see themselves as just people in ministry. They saw themselves as doulos, as bond servants. And that's where we're going to. Look at this, John 15. Jesus says in verse 13, he says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for friends, for one's friends. And then he says, you are my friend. Come on, put your hands up and say, I am a friend of God. No, don't just say, just sing the song. You know the song. I, we haven't done that song in a long time. Say, I am a friend of God. Amen. You know, remember that song? Good song. He says, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Check this out. He says, I no longer call, this is Jesus. This is what I'm saying here is very important. Jesus says, I no longer call you doulas. I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. This is profound. Pay attention. He says, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything that the Father told me. 
Now, as we listen to the word of God, as we sit under the word, we keep hearing that we are children of God. We keep hearing that we are friends of God. We keep hearing that we are accepted in the beloved. And all those things are true because we have just read from here that Jesus, because he has confided everything the Father told him, given to us, also given to us, he doesn't see us as slaves. We are friends and, and we are close to him than a slave would be. But in spite of Jesus saying these things to these apostles, everywhere in scripture, they are still referring to themselves as bond servants. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. I haven't got that in my notes. It, brilliant. It says, this letter is from Paul. A slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach this good news, to preach his good news. Jesus said, you are no longer slaves. You are now my friends. Paul hears that and comes in his letter to the Romans and calls himself a slave. What's going on here? Look at this. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 22. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 22. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave in, is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. Okay? So, so, so the Paul is still referring to people and calling them slaves. And I'll give you the context as to why. Galatians 1, all of our scriptures, I'm not going to go to all the scriptures that, um, that, that mention bond servant. You can do a Google search, amen. Go and ask Uncle Google, and he will show you many times in the book of Titus. Titus calls himself a bond servant of Jesus. Peter calls himself a bond servant of Jesus. Jude is a brother of Jesus. He calls himself bond servant of Jesus. James is the brother of Jesus, the same father. He calls himself a bond servant of Jesus. If I would, let, let me tell you something. If I came from Mary's womb, let me tell you, I would not be a bond. Are you joking? I'm the brother of Jesus. Everywhere I go, could you let me in? Who are you? I'm the brother of Jesus. You know, Jesus who died for your sins, who redeemed your life from destruction. Yeah, I'm his brother. I grew up with him. That's what I would say. But none of them identifies themselves as the brother of Jesus. They identify themselves as born servants. There is something more profound than identifying yourself as a son or a daughter. There is something more provided. It doesn't take away from the fact that you are a son, you are a daughter. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't take away from the, the fact that you are a friend of God. But something happens that is a twist that now means that these men, even though they are all these things and they brought us the revelation that we are sons and heirs, but they still identify as slaves. Why is that? The book of Exodus chapter 21. Even Jesus, the Bible says in, about Jesus, let's look at Jesus, for, uh, um, Philippians chapter, chapter 1, um, sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, also mentions this. I think this is a good one for you to see. He says, but Jesus, look at what Jesus did. But he made himself of no reputation. Check this out. He, Jesus, took up the form of a bond servant. He took up the form of a slave. Amen. He, he, you, are, you and I are going to have to be the ones who do this. 
Jesus makes you free. But Jesus is free. Jesus is free. The apostles are made free, but they took up. And if you want to know what I'm trying to call you to do today, is to, is to not, not depart from your sonship or depart from your friendship or depart from all of that, but it is also to take up the mantle of a born servant because there is greatness attached to your willingness to take that up. Jesus' greatness, everything about Jesus, the power in the name that he has, the authority that he has in heaven, on earth, beneath the earth, is because he took on as a, he came as a son, but he, and he did some things as a son, but it is his desire and his willingness to lay all of that down so he can become a bond servant. That's where he becomes great. Your greatness is in your willingness to lay down your life for another. This is a strong message this morning. I don't know if this is what you came to hear, but that's what you're getting. Tell anybody that's what you're getting. In the world, slaves, so, so, so the question I want to answer, just a few more moments and we're done. I, I, am I helping somebody? Uh, normally in the world, slaves are bought. Bond servants are bought. Slaves are bought or, or they are taken by force in war. And, and forced into slavery. But the nature of God is different because when God showed up, he did not come to get slaves. He came to set the captives free. He came to set people free. Amen? But still it is in his setting people free that he is getting these amazing bond servants. Exodus chapter 21, verse 6. There is a law here that I want you to see. Uh, God puts a law for the children of Israel uh, 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 that really paints a picture of what's going on here. Um, if you give me, maybe give me verse 5. Okay, let's go to verse, let's start from verse 1. <laughs> verse 1, Exodus chapter, uh, so that you, you can have the context. Are you with me? Am I okay to just teach? Uh, we're going somewhere. He says, now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. Verse 2, he says, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. Glory be to God. When Jesus came, he declared freedom. Amen. So, so if you are bound by anything, you better know that you are not supposed to be bound. You can accept your freedom right now. You don't have to wait for any number. You can just accept your freedom in Jesus Christ. Someone say, I am free. And he says, if he comes by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he, comes in, if he comes in married, then his wife shall go with him. Verse 4, if his master has given him a wife. And by the way, this was a whole different world, okay? This is not your world. Don't get any, any ideas. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. Verse 5. But if the servant, this is where, how, I'm, I'm showing you how bond servants are made. I'm going to give you a choice this morning whether you, you can make a decision to be chief among the greats by going through this process. But it says, if the servant, this is a servant that is supposed to be made free. If the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out and be, I will not go out free. Next verse. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. And he shall also bring him to the door. Amen. Slaves were not allowed to go near the door without permission. 
Because if you go near the door, the assumption is you're trying to escape. Okay? But he says the master will bring him to the door, to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an owl. I have no idea what an owl is. I should have researched that, but I didn't. You check it out, okay? I don't know why I told you that either because that doesn't inspire confidence in you. But anyway. <laughs> with an, and he says, and he shall serve him forever. This is how people become bond servants. They are people who have been set free. But when they get to the door and they consider the love of their master in their lives, they say to their master, I know I am free, but I am not willing to go free. I am choosing to give my life over pierce my ear so if anybody sees me and they see the hole in my ear they will know that this is a free man who loves his master so much that he decides to be not just an ordinary paid hireling of a servant but somebody who is bound forever this is how Paul became a bond servant because after murdering people after being such a horrible man and meets with Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus does not give him the justice he deserves. Jesus takes him in and sets him free from his sins. So Paul is a free man now and now saying, I will not go out. I'm going to come and be your servant. This is how James is a servant because I'm sure he's thinking, um, how can I, every other person, how did, how did I get the privilege of being the brother of Jesus and serving my generation in such a time? Same with Jude, who is also a brother of Jesus. And, and all of these men who served God, they were set free in John 15 because Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. But these men got to the door and decided I'm not going. I think some Christians get to the door and walk away. Woo. I'm free. Woo. Go back to the thing that you were born, set free from. Go back to the mindset that you were set free from. But these men say, God has been so good to me that I'm going to tie my life. I wonder if, if Jesus has done anything in your life. I wonder what the quality of what he has done in your, I wonder if that is in your consciousness or in our consciousness. Because the thing that makes us bond servants is our willingness to look at what he has done for us. Yeah. And just be amazed that in spite of my weaknesses, do you know why I serve, why I do what I do? Because even though some of you might be impressed with what I do, the reality is only God and me. We, can I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I know I don't qualify to stand before anybody to preach, but if God will look at me in my weakness. He knows the deepest things. He knows the flaws of my life. And he still accepts me wholeheartedly. I am a bond servant of Jesus. So it means on the day that I don't feel like it, on the day that I don't think it's worth it, I do what I do because I am bound to him forever. Amen. Until you... Listen carefully to what I'm saying. Until you investigate how good God has been to you, 
until you stop and stop moaning about what you think is not working or the prayer that hasn't been answered or moaning about what you don't have or what or how bad what you have is until we stop all of that and start to consider that he has taken me look where he brought me from look look how far Look how many times I said to him, Lord, I'm not going to do that again, but I've done it 5,000 times afterwards. And every time I come, his arms are open wide. I am a bond. This is how bond servants are made. Bond servants are people who are grateful for the love of their father. That's how a son like Jesus becomes a bond servant. Because he sees the love of God. He is the love of God. He sees the love of God. And he, he is overwhelmed. And even though he can come and buzz it about as, as the son of God, he chooses to be a bond servant. What has God done for you? Is the goodness of God in your life enough? Uh, I, I don't, I, 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 there, there's an old hymn that goes, pierce my ears. Pierce my ears, God, because I'm not, you've taken me to the door, but I'm not going to go free because you have been so good to me. You have preserved my life. You have kept my soul among the living. When I didn't want to pray, you still talk to me. You still save me. Your love has been so much. Pierce my ears because I want to serve you with my life. If you ask me what I came to ask you to do today, I am calling you to be a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Because you haven't yet experienced life. Do you know why all of the apostles are able to turn the world upside down the way that they did? It is because they gave their lives, not just as servants. You know, servants come and just do their thing and go. Amen? Servants, I'm just going to say, servants just come to church and serve and just go. Servants just come, come, you know, as a, uh, just come, it's like, it's like the, if you have a cleaner, the, the cleaner who just comes, they just kind of do the cleaning, and if there's anything you point out, they, 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 the house is not their own, they don't care about it, it's just a business, there is a detachment from that, and, and that is not who we are called to be. We are called to be people who are bound to the owner, so much so that if we see another person who is lost, we are, we are concerned for them like the owner will be. A bond servant, their heart is tied to the heart of the one that they love. Bond servants are people who have decided, I'm going to give my life for the service of my master. I do what I do, not because you will accept it. I do what I do because I am bound to my master. And if he asks me for it, then that's what I'm going to do. If he asks me for it, that's I give my life, not because I am wanting to go to heaven. I give my life. Servants serve to go to heaven. Bond servants serve to bring people from hell to heaven. We give not because we are looking for a bountiful harvest. We give because the thing we are giving into is so deserving of what our master wants to do. If our master loves this person, then this person, even when they don't deserve it, they still deserve my love. That's how bond servants are. We love not because they are deserving of the love, but we love because our, our, our master, the one we love so much, he died and we, want, we don't want to see his death on the cross wasted. And so because we love him that much, we will give our lives to rescue somebody else. 
bond servant. Someone say, I am a bond servant. Come on, put your right hand and say, I am a bond servant. Your next level, your next level is here. I'm telling you, I know we're not running around, swinging from the chandeliers. No, you're not feeling the spirit like that. You are feeling the spirit. I know you are. But you know what I mean? But if you can embrace this, and here is how we get there. It's not a religious thing. Just take the time to really think about what has he done for you. Have you thought about recently how he died for you? I know we come to church. You've been going to church since you were six, and you've been hearing, hearing how Jesus died for you. And sometimes, you know, that can just kind of go over your head. Well, stop and think about that for a moment. Because that's where service starts. That's where servants are born is when they see that he actually became a man. Why don't you stop one day and just imagine what it feels like for a nail to be pierced in your hands. Imagine what it feels like for a nail to be driven through your foot. Imagine what it feels like for your back to be beaten. No, stop and think about it. Because that's how bond servants are made. Bond servants are made because we think he has been so good to us. I'm going to bind my life to him. If you are making a decision this morning that Jesus has been so good to you, that he deserves your life not just as a mere diaconus, but as a doulos, as a bond servant, would you like to stand to your feet this morning? You are making a decision this morning. I'm not saying if you're getting born again. I'm saying all of us. I'm, I was expecting everybody to stand up. I'm not asking for people who are getting born again. Amen. I, I would have been surprised. I would have started preaching this message again. I'm telling you. I, you would have sit down and preach again till we stand up because Jesus so deserves more. We can all be in a place where you recognize. And I don't want you to just stand. I know I've kind of joked you into standing up, but please don't miss the point. Don't miss today's service because this is where that anointing, this is where that promotion is going to come from. Remember, I'm going to talk about the prosperity of his servant. I'm going to talk about how God is going to equip you. But this is where it starts. It starts from you authentically in your heart, acknowledging all that he has done and how well he has done it, that you are yielding yourself to him. Lift your hands where you are. Lift your hands to him. Lift your heart to him. Who has he saved here? Who has he forgiven over and over and over and over again? Who did he die for? How much does he love you? What has he given to you? How accepted have you been? What has he done for you this year? How much has, how, what has he preserved?